that. So um, this is the graph from hell for some of us and the graph that is beginning to be our friend for others. So we've been looking at this graph for the last five or six weeks. And I'm sorry, this graphic, not a graph, right? This graphic. And when we look at this graphic, this is what I'm trying to paint in our, in our minds and in our hearts is that there are nine squares here. You and I live in that middle square. Everybody who is surrounding that middle square is your neighbor or your coworker or maybe somebody who you're sitting next to right now here at Love and Motion. And the first question I ask there is go to your context of where you live and think how long have you lived there? For some of you a couple of days, for some of you a couple of years, all right? Do the same for your job. How long have I worked next to so-and-so and at this place? A couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of years, right? And then for number one, we ask, hey, how well do we know these people? And we're just starting off like really simple, right? Like, could you fill in squares for eight people of people who you know by name? You know, and you get to know people by name, by your relationship, right? Hey, my name is Paul. What's your name? My name is blank. How many of those boxes can you fill in with people's first name and last name? For number two, we're asking something a little bit deeper, and it's for those eight squares that are around that middle uh, square, which is you and I. The question is, what can you share about these people who you live next door to or have worked with for a while? Like, do you know something that goes beyond superficial? Beyond that is the guy who always wears those shoes because you just observed it. Like, can you say, he's from Las Vegas, and I know that he used to work at a casino over there, and he has a friend who had a friend um, live with him, and then they moved over here. Like, how many of those stories can you share, relay? Again, those things would only happen over a relationship, right? Over an intentional relationship. And then for number three, we're going, like, way deep. And we're asking, have you ever had an opportunity with any one of these folks in these eight empty squares to be able to sit across the table from them. Maybe you guys went out to a restaurant or you opened up the bag of Doritos while watching Netflix in your apartment. And then something happened there. You found out that his dad is a veteran. You found out that his mom passed away a couple years ago. You've been able to ask, Kate, hey, what are your spiritual beliefs? What are your struggles? Maybe you've been able to share some of those. So as we attempt to answer these questions, we're finding out that we're pretty far away from being able to fill in a lot of this. And it's not a bad thing necessarily because we have an opportunity right now, like my friend Eric, to pull the trigger, right? And to do something about it, not just to sit here and listen, but to sit here, listen, and then put it into action. Um, The goal is to have people in our lives where we live, work, and play go from strangers, there's a process, it grows, to an acquaintance, and then finally, a friend. By the way, I'm going to change that to a bag of Doritos for next week. The teaching series we're in is called Weird because 
when I've had an opportunity to sit down with people and ask, how are we doing with this graphic? How many of these squares can you fill in? Many people are like, I know the name, first name, maybe of a couple of people, and that's it, Pollo. But I couldn't tell you anything a little bit deeper. And I certainly can't tell you what their fears are. I can't tell you what their goals are. I can't tell you that I've ever had them over. I can't tell you that we've intentionally ever gone out just to spend some time together to encourage each other. And that's why it seems a little bit weird. It's almost an anomaly when those things happen. But we believe that Jesus says that this is a way to do life, and it works somehow. It really works. The verse that is our catalyst for this entire series is found in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 31, and it says this, Love your neighbors. That's it. Love your neighbors. There's a little bit of freedom in there, isn't there? That it's not a laundry list of stuff. And then, love your neighbors. And not only is it simple and freeing like that, but according to Jesus, it's the most important. Out of all of the stuff that's in the Bible, 60 plus books, Old Testament and New Testament. And Jesus says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And equally as important as to love the people who are in your life already. There is no other commandment that is greater than these. What's love? So if everything we're focusing on for this teaching, he says the word love, God and others, what, what is love? Is it something we feel when we receive a gift? Is it something we feel when we give a gift? Is it something we feel when we see a friend that we haven't connected with in a while? Is it the butterflies right here and the little nerves that go around? Possibly, that's some form of love. But for the sake of all being on the same page, we need to look at, in this context, when Jesus Christ spoke, what was he talking about when he said, love your neighbors? And the original word that Jesus Christ used is the word agapao. And it means this. This type of love is others before self. It's not easy to love like that. It's not. It means forfeiting your desires and putting the desires of another before yours. Think about how difficult that truly is. It means putting the welfare of others above your own welfare. It means many times having to put life on pause for you and saying, but let me put it on play for them. It's not an easy way to love. I would contend that it is the most difficult way to love. Because I can tell you this, 
I can go out and get you a gift right now and throw it at you and say, there's love. That's not love. It's there is a need. There is an opportunity. And it's about putting you before me. And that takes a lot. If you are a note taker on a note card or on your smartphone, this would be the title for today's message. Listen, love, and shine. We're going to read in the book of Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. And this is what Jesus says to us. He says, you are here to be light, bringing out the God, col- the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. It's time to go public with this, as public as a city on a hill. You don't think I made you light bearers with the intention of then hiding you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, shine. Keep your house open and be generous with your lives be opening up to others and you'll prompt people to seek God who is our generous Father. This is a version of the Bible. Uh, it's called The Message. So if you kind of like how that sounded, um, maybe, maybe that's a version that you can go to and maybe read it. The, the author, um, literally, when, when he translated it, he said, how, how can I communicate these truths of the Bible in a way that might be um, a context that we can understand a little bit easier today. So this is what he's saying, right? To you and to me, you read. He's saying, be a light. Let's stop right there real quick. What does light um, exemplify? What is it representing? It represents purity, truth, goodness, God's presence. All good things. The opposite of light is darkness. And darkness represents death and lies and the absence of God. Got it? So he says, hey, be a light. He says that to us this morning. He says, God, this beautiful being, is not a secret to be kept. So bring out the God colors in this world. He said, I've made you a light. And I made you a light, not so you can be hidden under a basket, but on the contrary. I made you a light, and I have put you on a lampstand so that you can shine. Where? Where you live, where you work, and where you play. And then it gets better. Because he says, take care of that. Shine. How do we shine? By loving How do we love? By putting the needs of others before our own. And then what happens? What does he say will happen? He says, others will desire that. You don't have to push them. You don't have to walk around with a Bible in the back of your pocket and say, hey, by the way, here you go. Read it. I'll get back to you in a couple weeks. He says, just shine. And I'll take care of everything else. Because people will start to seek and desire and want to taste. Taste what? That God is good. He is generous. So what does your story communicate? Like, personalize this. What does your story communicate? As I was 
preparing this message, I was thinking, what would it look like if for a couple days, maybe one day at work and one day on the weekend when I'm not around people who work, um, what would it look like if I recorded every word that came out of my mouth for a few days, a couple different contexts, and then I played it back? So ask yourself that. Because we speak about what we love, right? What does your story communicate? Like when you're around folks, and you've been around them a couple times, what would they say you communicate? What are your passions? What are the things you love? Interesting thing is that it works conversely as well. The things that we don't like come out of our mouths as well very quickly. Do you love God? I have a friend who heard this podcast as well, and he said, I wonder what that means. And I got to thinking about that. What does it mean? Do you love God? Do I love God? Here are a couple of ways that I would encourage us all to gauge that question. Number one is when you hear him speak, when you see his word, is it something you obey? Like, are you a hearer and a doer or a hearer and a that's enough but not for me? I would say that when we listen and obey, hear and do, that represents respect and love. Would you agree? Does your heart melt at the thought of having a father in heaven who knows you by name of having a father in heaven who says I laid down my life for you like does your heart melt often at the thought of I'm forgiven and no matter how many times I've failed no matter how many times I fall on my face I have a father who says I'm here to pick you up. Let's get walking. Does that just do something in here? Every morning, every moment of your life, you are mine. And I am well pleased with you. And do you desire to know him better? What does that look like? Spending time with him? The same way that you would do with a friend who you appreciate? What do you do? You get to know them better, right? You text them. You Facebook them. You email them. You go grab some food. You want to have them over at your place. You want to be over at their place. You want to go explore some new things, right? You want to spend some time. You want to smile. You want there to be some joy, but not only is it (laughs) joyful and smiles, but you want to be able to be vulnerable and also share the tough stuff, right? This is what I mean about knowing God as well. Just that you would experience all these things, getting to know His Word better, sitting under His teaching, scratching for more and more of what He has. Just communication. Different times throughout the day, saying, 
Thanks for loving me. Spending time knowing, having your heart melt, and obeying His Word. Do you love others? I mean, all these things communicate, right? All these things communicate. Do you love God? There's a gauge I set out. Do you love others? This is how I would encourage all of us to gauge that. What do you do with opportunities to love? What do you put with opportunities that we have daily to put the needs of others before self? I'm teaching our seven-year-old son to look for opportunities. A couple weeks ago, we were having uh, dinner, and everybody finished up, and you know there are dirty plates and forks and cups and napkins, and there's just stuff, right, that gets left over. And the dude gets up, walks away, and he comes back with his Legos. And he's sitting there, and, and by this point, uh, my wife and my daughter and I are starting to clean up a little bit. I'm saying, son, there are opportunities right now for you to do something. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a cooler. Hold on, I'm going to put this part over here. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about your Legos. I said, be sensitive and look for opportunities. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? So I got down with him. I said, son, look around. There are opportunities right now for you to serve and love your mom. It's not your mom's job to clean up this mess. I said, look, the ketchup is on the table. Why don't you grab that and put it in the fridge? And he did. He went, he grabbed it, put it in the fridge, and he sat down and played with Legos again. I said, son, look around. I said, there are more opportunities. You see those dirty forks? Go grab a sponge, put some soap on it, and caress the fork with a soapy sponge. I said, those are opportunities. And you've got them, and I've got them. Every day, I would contend. Where you live, where you work, and where you play. So, do we love others? The gauge is, what do we do when we see opportunities? Go play with our Legos? Or take advantage of that moment? Not to speak is to speak. There's a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Really cool guy. And he says that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. He says, not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. Think about that. Are we doing anything with our story? Is our story communicating primarily what God wants it to communicate? Love God and love others. And if it's not, then I would say that not to speak is how we're communicating already. So we're going to learn how we communicate our story. How does our story help to shine and put the spotlight on God? How do we bring out the God colors in this world? It's not that difficult. We speak about God's story. Don't get nervous about that. It's not memorizing Bible verses, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's not walking around with a Bible in your pocket, which there's nothing wrong with that. 
this is how we communicate God's story with people in our lives. We say, man, I've really been blessed. I got a raise at my job. Hey, I'm surrounded with really good friends. That other day when I had nobody else to come sit next to me and just listen and hear me cry, that's God's goodness to me. That encouraging text, those hundred bucks that was given to me, that was God speaking to me. God's good. Or you do something as simple as saying, whoa, everything is so beautiful. Look at the clouds. Look how those clouds send rain. The heavens declare the glory of God. We don't have to make it that complicated. Maybe you have a niece or a nephew or a friend that you really just love and, and, and maybe if they're a little kid, you like look at them sometimes and you're like, whoa, what a cool kid, sweet. And look how he's formed. He has these little hands here and, and he's got some toes and when I kind of tickle him, he responds. That's a God story right there because that's God's creation right there. Same as you, same as me. I got into that program I wanted. God's good. Hey, I was able to go and travel over there. God's good. That's how we communicate God's story. What about your story? We become vulnerable. That means we share our dreams and our desires. You know, one of the things I want most in life is this. You share that. You become vulnerable. Carl Barth says that when we compare virtues, we become competitors very quickly. But when we share our vulnerabilities, we become brothers and sisters. You have no idea what you're doing. Boom, comparing. Something happens here in our hearts where we're like, not as good as me if she just knew. I spoke to him for five minutes and I knew he was an idiot. I overheard that the other day at the store. Two girls standing in line that said, as soon as I met her, I knew she was an idiot. I'm thinking, how ignorant and arrogant is that for us to do that as humans? I know what that person is about in the first five minutes. I'm sorry, but on your best day, if somebody catches you and says that comment, it's not fair for you either or for me. We don't know people in five minutes. But when we become vulnerable and we share our regrets, our pains, our desires, our dreams, our hopes, our losses... That becomes beautiful. Because guess what? That person who's sitting next to you or in front of you or in back of you right now is just as broken as you are. Including me. I hurt. But there's something that happens when we do it together. There's a bond there. And we encourage each other. We pick each other up, right? Because there are God colors in this world and we're reminded that there is a hope of a better reality. That's how we share our story. 
That's how we allow our story to shine. We share God's story, you share your story, and then you know what happens? People feel invited in. You don't even have to worry about this one. They feel invited in. And you just share some food with them. You make it intentional to spend time with them. You pray for them. You say, I'm here for you. More than words, but in deeds. Try to take a mental picture of this graphic on the screen. This is how we can allow our story to shine. So as I close up, I say this. Listen, love, and shine. Everybody who's in this room and everybody who will listen to this podcast has heard. We're on the same playing field. You heard what the person next to you heard. We've heard. We have an option now, though. To hear and put it in our back pocket and keep it there. And we pull it out one day when we take our pants to the dry cleaners. Or we take what we heard this morning and we pull the trigger and there's some action involved in it. Listen. Love. This one thing counts. This one thing counts. How do we love? We put the needs of others above our own. We look for those opportunities and we pull the trigger. And when we do those, he says we shine. We don't polish ourselves more to make it shinier. It happens. Because he's at work and the God colors start to come out. In the same way that the moon borrows um, sun, uh, uh, light from the sun and reflects at night is the same way that you and I shine. Jesus is the ultimate light. When we live the way that he's asked us to live, we shine automatically. It's not about going to do more. Religion says go and do more. Religion says you've got to get better first. Religion says follow these five pillars first and then you might. And then we get weary and tired because for some reason we can never follow those five things. But relationship with God says I invite you in because you're my son. And I know you. And I'm proud of you. Relationship says fall on your face a hundred times and I'm here with you to pick you up. And you shine. I always close up with really good news, right? 
Well, here's what I pray is the best news of all for you this morning. Jesus is enough to satisfy your thirst. I shared this with a friend earlier in the week and I was thinking that the many times I've been so hurt that I feel like I'm out in the desert and I feel parched. You ever feel like that? Whether it be doubt or fear. And you're just thirsty and many times when we're in those situations we'll go for anything we find. We'll satisfy for anything. And many times the things that I've satisfied that I have attempted to satisfy my thirst and my hurt and my pain with has been something very similar to poison. Like there are different things that this will help me and in reality it's as if I'm in that desert drinking a sip and a sip and a sip of poison, whatever your poison might be. Whether it's looking into yourself for the answers trying to pull yourself up from the bootstraps and say, I know I can, I just need to try harder. Maybe that's your poison. Maybe your poison is a drug or an addiction to something. Maybe your poison is loneliness or anxiety. And we say, if we just have a little bit more of this, but we just start to get thirstier and thirstier and thirstier. And I've learned that none of those things satisfy. None of those things do. At least not permanently. So the invitation for all of us is Jesus is the one who can and will and promises to satisfy our thirst. He says, come to me and see what I've done for you. I have laid down my life for my sons and for my daughters. There is no greater love, John 15, 13, than for somebody to lay down their life. You see the beauty in that? Fall a hundred times and I am here. Bite the hand that feeds you. I'm here. That's how it works with him. That's the beauty of grace. That's the beauty of forgiveness. That's the beauty that melts our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for working in our lives what's pleasing to you. Help us rejoice in your love for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.